When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. ABGs with a pH of 7.3. It's maybe respiratory. Or could it be your kidneys with metabolic acidosis? Ah, oh, Jesus. Hey everyone, welcome to Dr. Matt, Dr. Mike's medical podcast. Today we're talking about ABGs, which stands for arterial blood gases. Last episode, we introduced acid and base, and we spoke about acid-base balance, and we introduced different types of acidoses and alkaloses, respiratory metabolic based. Today we're going to go into a little bit more detail and talk about the types of tests that we can perform, and these tests are called arterial blood gas tests, where we can determine whether a patient has some form of acidosis or some form of alkalosis. So before we begin, Maddie, firstly, you been okay? I've been wonderful. Anything new? You like my singing? Uh, yeah, that's all right. You need the singing, the, the pitch is good, the tone is fine, you just need to learn how to rhyme. See, I could even rhyme in <laughs> just then. All right. So... Let's introduce ABG, shall we? So an arterial blood gas is an analysis, and this analysis is used to measure pH, and not just pH, but also measured, uh, used to measure the partial pressure of oxygen mm-hmm. and carbon dioxide in your arterial blood. So remember what partial pressure means? Pushing pressure? Well, no. Well, in a s- <laughs> <laughs> you can think of it as pushing pressure because any form of pressure is pushing, effectively but partial pressure is if you take a gas and it's in uh, an environment with other gases 
All of those gases together will have some sort of cumulative pressure, but we're looking at the individual pressure of one gas amongst the right. others. That's the partial pressure. So today we're talking about the partial pressure of oxygen. So what's the pressure of oxygen in the arterial system and the partial pressure of carbon dioxide in the arterial system. Mm, okay. Now, it's important that everyone understands that interpreting arterial blood gas results needs to be done in collaboration with the clinical findings. So it in itself isn't a diagnosis, right? Mm. So it needs to, it's not used as a diagnosis. You need to have a look at it, look at it in conjunction with the clinical manifestation, uh, manifestations and the results change as the body tries to compensate, right? So you may look at a result and you may think it's a particular thing. You may try and diagnose from it, but it's difficult. You need to have a look at what's going on with mm. the patient. All right. ABGs are pretty common. They're commonly performed uh, in emergency departments, intensive care units, and especially with monitoring respiratory patients, Conditions, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. So respiratory labs, respiratory um, wards, should I say, and sleep clinics. And it's important because our body produces a lot of acid. We spoke about acid last week or last podcast. Um, each day our body actually produces 15,000 millimoles of carbon dioxide. Remember, carbon dioxide is an acid because it mm. forms into carbonic acid. And our body pr uh, produces other types of acids. If it's non-carbon dioxide based, it's called a non-volatile acid, right. right? And this includes like lactic acid and some sulfuric acid and so forth. Phosphoric. Phosphoric acid. And we produce about 50 to 100 millimoles of this per day. Now, we need to eliminate it. We need to get it out of the body, right? And that's how we spoke about last podcast with our different buffering systems hmm. all okay. right that's the any questions with the intro to abgs D just to recap did we talk the difference between an osis and anemia no okay. should we do that do you want to do that yeah okay um so okay so if i say to you matt that a patient has acidemia so just go with the emia okay emia is r in reference to blood right okay so you, you've heard of anemia, and I so have. that's specifically a blood issue. Or you could have hypernatremia, mm. which is too much sodium in the blood. Yeah. So when we refer to uh, pH issues, uh, abnormalities, and we refer to the problem actually in the serum or the blood itself, it's always going to end with anemia. Ah, so if it's okay. acidemia, it's too much acid in the blood. If it's Alkalemia? Yeah, that's right. Is that what it is? It's, so that's in the blood. Okay. So th and this is essentially what you're measuring with an ABG, All right. a blood gas. Because yep. you're taking the blood of the person to do the analysis, right? Yes. So it has to be an, an emia, right? Yeah. So that's what we refer to as a state of being. It's kind of like the overall state of the whole body. Okay, that's, a, that's an emia. Whereas an osis is a process. Like that. There's your rhyming. You, could you finally got it back. Good on you. So, osis could be um, acidosis yeah. or alkalosis, and it could be in the respiratory or it could be in the metabolic. So, this is the cause. This is the, the, the mm. process of creating the emia. Yeah, right. Okay. And so, you might have multiple, you could have three different processes occurring, yeah. but then the dominant thing that's overall is the. Emia. All right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we've got to be careful when we say emia versus osis. Yeah. Okay. But generally when we're going to be referring to the ABG, we'll just probably say 
it's an acidosis or an alkalosis, but bear in mind that we probably refer into anemia. Oh, God. Everyone's going to switch off now. No, they won't. Okay. Maybe just remind me if I forget. Yeah, I will. All right. So that's the terminology to start with. You know, I like the terminology. Yeah. So that's to begin with. All right. Now, okay. let's say we've got our patient. And our patient is has a certain type... They're manifesting clinically some way. We don't want to say yet because we're going to give a number of different types of clinical examples. We're mm. going to... In this podcast, we're actually going to go through as many different clinical examples of acidosis and alkalosis as possible yep. and even mixed cases. So, pe- yeah. so individuals who may have both an acidosis and an alkalosis, yeah. respiratory and metabolic. Yeah, so we'll go through crazy. a whole bunch, which is interesting. But before we do that, we need to take the blood from the patient. We need to take it from their arterial system. Now, we could take it from their venous system, but the values are going to be different, right? Hmm. So we're going to take it from the arterial system. So this is from an artery rather than a vein. Where would you take it from? So most commonly in a vein, you know, they take it. So if you give blood um, either for its amount content, so you want to donate blood. Yeah. It's usually what? How Which much? everyone should. 400 mils? Yeah, about that. Um, they usually take it out of the vein in the kind of the inside of your elbow. Yeah. So that's the median cubital. Yeah. Now it's a low flow rate too, right? Uh, yeah. Now, if you were just to, to give blood to do a blood test, they probably would take it from the same place. Yeah. Now, for an artery, yes, arteries are a bit more difficult because they're a bit deeper structures. Mm. Okay, so they they lie a bit deeper in the tissue. Um, so they're a bit harder to access because veins are more superficial. Mm. Okay, and they're generally more painful for the patient. Really? Yeah. So, it's a, a very discomfort of a of a procedure for the patient. Mm. So, I've seen many, many taken because I um, worked for many years in a respiratory sleep yeah. um, lab or ward. And so, it was almost almost every patient. So, give them a local? Some would. I mean, in, in many cases, the person who performs it would be probably a junior doctor, so like an intern or a junior resident. Yeah, so they obviously so they, cause pain. They don't have <laughs> as much ex- experience as a consultant. Yeah. Um, but they get good at it. But uh, early on, it is a difficult test. And patients um, who have maybe already have a lot of comorbidities going on, yeah. um, they might have pretty difficult... Dodgy, and and dodgy many, uh, many patients can be quite uh, obese, so yeah. it's very difficult to get it. Yeah. And so it's... Um, it's a challenging thing to do. Mm. But uh, just so you have an idea of how it's done... Um, Where are we taking it from? So, it, it's usually the most uh, accessible um, artery. So, the neck then. The, yeah. The carotid? That, that is less likely to cause some uh, kind of... Not the carotid. Um, if it's less invasive. So, you don't yeah. want to put it into a big, big vessel that could bleed out. So, don't put it in the so carotid. Yeah, generally, wouldn't they wouldn't do carotid or the, okay. the big vessels yeah. coming out Femoral. of the heart. They're going to do uh, femoral? They, I think they can do femoral. Yeah. Um, but the most common one is the radial, which is that little pulse that you, sometimes you can take on your wrist, yep. uh, on your thumb side. Yeah. So, palm up. Every, everyone can try and get it now if you want. Um, palm up on your thumb side, come back from your wrist a bit, and you can get that little pulse. Yeah, that's the radial. That's the radial artery. So, they'll take it from the radial artery. So, what they'll basically do is they'll um, use both their middle finger and their in- index finger. Mm-hmm. Is that the index finger? Yeah, that's the index finger. Okay, the index finger. Spread Don't point at me, mate. <laughs> spread the fingers apart a little bit and make sure they can get the pulse on both fingers. Gotcha. Okay? And then they just get the needle... And kind of just go straight 
vertically so. between them. Woo, until, and so the difference to a vein is when you go into an artery, you the blood kind of comes in pulses into the vial, into, yeah. into the syringe. So it's good to palpate that first, right? Yeah. So you, you generally, the, the person who's doing it will generally know once you're in it because the the blood will probably fill up quicker and it will probably pulse as it's filling up. Would you use a pre-heparinized syringe? I'm not actually sure. Okay. They all come I pre-packed, the special ABG needles. Yeah. Well, um, they'll be pre-heparinized. I know, I know because it's arterial, it's a slightly different colour than the vein, so it's probably a bit brighter red yeah. than um, the venous blood, so they can probably tell from that. Yeah. But, um, and because it's pretty critical to get it analysed as quick as possible, they usually sometimes put it with ice and mm. then send it to pathology. All right, so they're taking it, taking the blood, you don't need much, small quantity, put it into a machine, beep, boop, beep. Spits out some values. Oh, wow. It's already... Okay, we've spit out some values. We've taken my arterial blood gas. And yeah, and that, see how good I was? You didn't even feel it. Uh, well, <laughs> why'd you take it from my popliteal artery? you got big knees. Thank you. <laughs> All I, right. I pride myself on my big knees. All right, so a couple of things are going to come up on our uh, reference ranges, on our arterial blood gases. pH is one. Luckily, we introduced that last podcast, so we don't need to go into too much detail here. What is the pH value, the reference range that should be coming up? Yeah, so the the range for arterial blood should be 7.35 to 7.45. Okay, and remember, pH is the measure or the concentration of hydrogen ions. Log. The, the negative log, Matthew. Okay. Oh, very good. So remember that sodium is going to be 140 millimoles Potassium is going to be about 4 millimoles. These are all concentrations mm-hmm. of these ions in your blood. And instead of saying millimoles for um, hydrogen. hydrogen, because if we were going to say millimoles for hydrogen, it would be 0.00004 yeah, millimoles. I'm just saying, just give, we don't want to say that. So instead <laughs> we say the negative log of that, and the negative log of that is 7.35 to 7.45. Yeah, I think they got it from last week. Okay, you, just, just a okay. quick recap. Quick recap. And mainly for you, Matt, because you're slow and I need to obviously reiterate things numerous times. Listeners don't understand what it's like to work with you. It's not easy. (laughs) All right. Next thing that will come up is the partial pressure of oxygen in the artery. So, again, this is basically the concentration of oxygen inside of that artery or the push that that oxygen has inside of that artery. Okay? Yep. What's the range there? 80 to 100. Millimeters of mercury pressure. So that's a pressure now, not a concentration. Yes, but it's it's related to the concentration. Okay, keep going. Okay, Uh, partial pressure of carbon dioxide. Matt's in a rush, obviously. (laughs) Partial pressure of carbon dioxide is also there. Uh, That's about thirty-five to forty-five. Millimeters, millimeters of mercury. Yeah, Units a, are important. Because it's a partial pressure, Michael. It's That's partial. Right. Yes. Because it's uh, there's a whole lot of gases in there. And oh, partial. you're just reiterating what I stated at the start of the podcast because you weren't sure. All right, bicarbonate, HCO3 negative. Okay, this has gone back to concentration. So yes. this is 22 to 26 millimoles per liter. Very good. Okay, wonderful. Anything else? Uh, sometimes I do uh, an iron gap, but let's leave that for the time being and we'll okay. come back to it later. So we've got pH. Partial pressure of oxygen, partial pressure of carbon dioxide, and bicarbonate concentration. Hmm. Now, but we, we just, gave a range, right? Let me just put a point here. Uh, what's written in the clinical notes will usually go in the order of pH, carbon dioxide, oxygen, bicarbonate. 
Okay. Okay. And it's usually done Sorry with for bringing it up in the wrong forward way. slashes. Anyway, let's go. All right. So, these are ranges. But in actual fact, what we're going to do today is when we know that when it comes to biology, everything's within a range, right? So, nice, happy, healthy range, and that's what we just gave you. Today, we're going to look at some absolute values, right? And re- reference some of our clinical examples to these absolute values. Mm-hmm. So, the pH is going to be 7.4. That's, yeah, that's our let's happy, call, healthy yeah, number. Let's call that the point that we want to have a pH, 7.4. That's our set point. Yeah. What's the set point for let's, oxygen? Let's do the order that we just said. Oh, sorry. What's the set point for carbon dioxide? Okay, it's 40. It's 40? Yeah. All right. What's the set point for oxygen? Uh, let's say 80. 80? Okay. What's the set point for bicarbonate? 24. 24. All right. So if this was written in the notes, it would be 7.4 forward slash 40 forward slash 80 forward slash 24. Okay. So that's if everyone wants to write these things down so that, so that they can... That's what would be seen in the notes in that method. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, let's have a look. We, we spoke about pH. We spoke about what that is. We need to have that nice, happy, healthy pH. Let's, should we talk about the buffering systems very quickly? Very quick. Okay. Okay. I don't think we should go through no, we the, spoke about that in the, the, last podcast. the intracellular and the proteins. Let's no. just fo- focus on Bicarbonate the... Bicarbonate buffering system. Yeah. Okay. As you guys are aware, when you, we need to have that pH of 7.4. Now, pH is going to go up and pH is going to go down, and this just has to do with the concentration of hydrogen ions, and the body needs to find a way that if the concentration of hydrogen ions goes too high... That means we're becoming too acidic. Yeah. We need to do something to drop it down. If the concentration of hydrogen ions go too low, it's becoming too basic. We need to do something to bring it back up. Yeah. Now, these are buffering systems, and by definition, buffering systems resist drastic changes, changes. to pH, yeah. and it does this by either releasing hydrogen ions. That's what an acid does. It releases a hydrogen ion if the concentration is too low, or if the concentration of hydrogen ions are too high, we can mop them up and absorb them with a base, mm-hmm. right? So one of the most important buffering systems in the body is what we call the bicarbonate buffering system. And this is that buffering system in which carbon dioxide, when mixed with water, gives us something called carbonic acid, yep. which splits apart to release a hydrogen ion and a bicarbonate ion. Now, this is a reversible equation, yep. which tells you if we don't have enough hydrogen ions, we can just bind carbon dioxide with water to produce them. If we have too many hydrogen ions, we can bind it up with bicarbonate to produce carbon dioxide and breathe it out. So just by breathing through the uh, ventilatory process, we can change the pH of our blood and we do this quite often. Because it's so quick. Because it's so quick. So this is our short-term pH buffering system. So this is how we change the concentration of hydrogen ions and bicarbonate ions through CO2. Now, We've got another buffering system, which is through our kidneys. And this is a longer-term buffering system, hours to days to weeks. And this buffering system, again, controls hydrogen ions and bicarbonate ions through reabsorbing at the tubules or or excreting them out through our urine. Yep, sounds good. That's basically it. Are we done with that? Yeah, so it's just important to highlight that the respiratory side of things really compensate or counteract that change within... Let's just say minutes. Yeah, okay? absolutely. Whereas kidneys could take days. Yes. Okay. Hours to days, but yeah. days. That's we'll, right. We'll just say for argument's sake, one is minutes, one's days. Okay. Okay? All right. Cool. Now. Now, if you, if you were to pre- be presented with this blood gas, 
there's usually a traditional way that they would do it. Okay. A, a simplified way, mm-hmm. which is you kind of look at the pH first. Okay. Yeah. So the first thing you want to want to look at is whether the pH is above or below seven point four. Mm-hmm. Remember we said seven point four. That's is right. Is the the perfect sweet spot? Yes. So if it's above that, it's an alkalosis. Well, or emia. Okay, emia. Yep, very good. It's an alkalemia. Yep. And if it's below, it's an acidemia. That's right. Okay. Happy with that? Yeah, I'm happy with that. So let's say anything outside that is one of those two things. Then the next thing you look at is the CO2. Mm-hmm. And so is the CO2 out of range? And so is if the CO2 is higher than 40, okay, it would it would assume that you're retaining CO2 and that would as you know, CO2 in the blood is more likely to put you towards a acidic side of things. Because we just said CO2 plus water gives yep. you carbonic acid, which splits apart to give hydrogen ions and bicarbonate. Yep. Right. Yeah. Whereas if you've had lower than 40, you're more likely to be in an alkalinic state. Yeah. Okay. So you look at the CO2 as well, and then you have a quick look at the bicarbonate. As we said, the bicarbonate should be 24. Yeah. So if it's higher than 24, there's more bicarbonate. Bicarbonate's a base, so you're more likely higher than 24. It would be uh, alkalinic, and if it was below 24, you'd be more likely to be acidotic. Okay, so main things we want to look at is the pH, the CO2, and the bicarbonate. Yeah, and that will tell you kind of what's going on. So can I... And you might also want to look at the oxygen. That will tell you if they're hypoxic or something. But we're going to basically leave that out today. Yeah, okay. Okay, so they're the main three things, pH and CO2 levels and then the um, the bicarbonate. Before you go to the next point, can I just make a very quick statement? Sure. Just so everyone's got this reference point in their head. Bicarbonate is primarily regulated by the kidneys. That's an important point. CO2 is primarily regulated by the lungs. That's another important point. Because if bicarbonate is out of whack, think kidneys. If CO2 is out of whack, think lungs. That's the first point. Now, it's not necessarily that simple, but we should just... Keep it there at the moment. Mm. Next point is this. If your kidneys are affected by some disease, it may alter the level of bicarbonate in your body and this may produce some metabolic acidosis or alkalosis. Okay. So if your kidneys are affected by some disease and it increases the amount of bicarbonate in your blood, this would be a metabolic alkalosis. Okay. If it reduces the amount of bicarbonate in your blood, it's a metabolic acidosis. Mm-hmm. Now, the lungs may compensate for this by changing the level of CO2. Yes. Right? Yes. But we'll leave that there at the moment. Next point. Diseases that can affect the respiratory system, the pulmonary system, can affect the amount of CO2 you have in your blood. So, you can, if you're not breathing enough, mm-hmm. you're going to retain the CO2 and yeah. produce more acid. That's a respiratory acidosis. Yeah. If maybe you're hyperventilating and breathing too much, you're Good washing way. away the CO2, not enough CO2, less acid, respiratory alkalosis. Yes, that's so that's right. the difference between the metabolic and respiratory. Yep. You look at the CO2 primarily, that's respiratory. Look at the bicarbonate primarily, that's metabolic. Yeah. Is that okay to state? Yeah, and so just to reiterate, the, the metabolic, as you said, is all about kind of kidney regulation. Yes. But what's complicated about the metabolic is um, there's a whole lot of things that could be causing acid or loss of acid or um, too much base or loss of base. Yeah. Whereas with the respiratory side, 
it's only you've only got kind of the lungs. That's it. That's right. And you know, I know you've got two lungs, but essentially, it's either going to go quick or slow. Yes. And so, it's much more kind of easier to kind of grasp it when it's a respiratory issue, mm. um, whether it's your hypoventilating, so you're not getting enough air through ventilating through your lungs, or your hyper too much. Mm. Okay, so you're breathing too quick, breathing it all off. Yeah. Whereas metabolic. Could be difficult. It could yes. be like you're ingesting too much acid, or you're losing too much acid, or you're yeah. um, taking in too much base, or you're losing base. It's so the, the, if it's an acidosis, things. if it's a metabolic acidosis, it's due to an acid that's not CO2. Hmm. Lactic acidosis, maybe. Right. Right. And we'll get to that. Ketoacidosis, maybe. So um, when we look at then the, uh, the different causes of these states, I guess we've already said that there's two main groupings it's either yeah. a respiratory or a metabolic mm-hmm. so once you've kind of established that your ph is maybe out of whack slightly you want to quickly find is it a respiratory cause or it is a, a metabolic cause yeah so if your ph is out of whack and you want to establish it's from a respiratory cause mm-hmm. you're really just looking at co2 yes and so if it's out of range with the ph then straight away it's telling you it's a respiratory whereas if it's um, ph is out of whack CO2 looks okay, but the um, bicarbonate is messed up, then you know it's a metabolic. Now, can we also make the statement, because that seems pretty simple enough, Yeah. but if you've got a reduction in bicarbonate, this tells you, like you just said, it's metabolic acidosis. Mm. Reduced bicarbonate, there's not enough to mop up the hydrogen ions, so hydrogen ions are higher. So it's a metabolic acidosis because of the reduced bicarbonate. Now, this may be the primary disorder... Or it could be a compensation that's happening because there's a respiratory alkalosis. So this is why you have to take everything in together. And that sounds confusing, but we're going to unpack it shortly. Yeah, and so this is why I'm probably trying to illustrate that when you look at the ABG from this simplified method that we're doing now, it might work in most cases, Mm. but there's limitations to it. Yeah. And That's so, why it has to be taken into consideration with the whole clinical picture, right? Yes. Um, so, um, before we go into, I think, the method that we are going to talk about today yes. on how to analyze it, yeah. um, just a final point that we want to mention is, so let's say now you've established it's you know, one of the four, respiratory acidosis or respiratory alkalosis or metabolic acidosis or metabolic alkalosis. Yeah. Now, the, the, the first thing you've got to realize is is whether it's the the other systems trying to compensate for it. Mm. So you could have um, compensated or partially compensated. Yeah. Okay. So that means that the other side of the coin, the, so if it's a respiratory, the renal side is compensated for it. So mm. um, the kidneys retain, let's say, bicarbonate to mm. try and counteract the acidosis. Yeah. Or it's partially, which means it hasn't got a chance completely to do it. Or it's an acute side of things and it's got way too early for it to do. So this is somewhat difficult because there's so many possibilities. So I'm going to propose, or we're going to propose, Mm. probably a more efficient way to do it. Okay. Is that... Happy with that? Yeah. And I will put this in the context. Yeah. So here is a blood gas. Should we... Can we first... I know... Absolutely, I think we should do it in that context. Can we first say, just def- talk about metabolic acidosis and just say what is a common thing you'd see or what you'd commonly see 
in regards to metabolic acidosis versus respiratory acidosis if you look at pH, CO2, and HCO3. Just acidosis? And then, and then uh, alkalosis. So, oh, okay. like, for example, okay, let me give an example. If you have a pH that's below 7.4, yep. okay, you know it's an acidosis. Or you know it's an acidemia. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's the first yeah. thing. Yep. If the pH is above, you know it's an alkalosis. Okay, right. then you need to figure out whether it's respiratory or metabolic. Right. So, you look at that pH first, and then you look at the CO2. Now, if the pH is low, and the CO2 is low as well, right, then... What's that telling you? Well, if the pH is out of out of whack and the CO two is out of whack, yeah, you would assume that it's um, by th- by this particular method, yeah, that it has to be some kind of respiratory thing going on, right? No, because no. what's going to happen? Well, you didn't talk about the bicarbonate. No, not yet. But, You're right, but you're just talking about out of ranges. You just yes. Oh, so yeah, this absolutely. is why I'm saying this is a limitation. But let's keep going. Do you want to do your method first? Well, let's let's put it into context of why that the method that we just um, spoke about by just purely looking at pH and then looking at whether it's a CO2 change or a, a bicarbonate change, mm. why there's a limitation to it. Okay, fine, okay. perfect, okay. So everyone um, write this ABG down or just put it into your mind as best you can. So the, the ABG is 7.38, so pH is 7.38, okay? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Um, CO2 with 39, oxygen 90, and the bicarbonate is 23. Right. Sounds normal. So, if you look at that, it's basically normal. I mean, the the pH is maybe a touchdown, and the CO2 is a touchdown. Bicarbonate is also a touchdown. Okay? So, if you looked at that... Now, most cases, if you looked at it superficially, you'd go, oh, the patient's fine. There's no real issue. Because not only is it in the range, but... It's very minor, out of whack. So, if you use the method that we just did, um, it wouldn't really give you any kind of insight because the, the pH is two units below 40. So, let's... And the, the CO2 is one unit down and the bicarbonate is one unit down. So, you wouldn't be able to really know by that method what's going on. Well, we didn't do that method. We haven't done that method yet. No, the one that I just spoke about. Okay. By by just looking at the pH and then looking whether it's a CO two change or a bicarbonate change. Okay. So I think we need to propose a new way of doing it. Mm-hmm. You happy with that, Mike? Sure. All right. So. All right, Maddie. Wait one second. You're going into a more difficult case. Let's do s- some simple All cases. Right. Yep. Okay. Let's just say. We get a uh, ABG, and what we see on this ABG is that the pH is low. Okay, so it's it has to be below seven point four. It's below seven point four. It's below seven point three five. It's going. It's getting down. Okay, so first of all, we can say that's an acidemia. Mm-hmm. Next thing is we're going to look at the CO two. We see that the CO two has gone up. So what's the normal CO two? Should be forty. Let's say it's gone up to forty five up towards 50-ish. Okay. Well, we know that the pH has gone down, CO2's gone up. If the CO2's gone up, it means that our body isn't breathing out enough CO2. Okay. And so that CO2 is getting trapped in our blood and forming acid. We can tell straight, pretty much straight away from that that if the CO2 and the pH are going in opposite directions, and in this case, it's the pH that's going down and the CO2 that's going up, it's going to be a respiratory acidosis. Okay. Okay? 
Now, at the same time, if you look at the carb, uh, the bicarbonate, what you're going to find is the bicarbonate should start to go up because it's trying to compensate for the increased acid mm. from the respiratory acidosis. Okay. Make sense? Yeah, yeah. So that increased bicarbonate is a secondary effect from right. the primary respiratory acidosis. Okay. All right. Let's now look at if the pH goes... Can I, can I make a point then? Yeah. I was going to do it later, but I think since you've just spoken about it, we might as well do it then. As I said earlier, there's usually... Well, there is only two kind of causes. There's only a respiratory or a metabolic cause. Mm. Yeah? And it can either be a, an, an acid acidemia or an alkalemia. Yeah. So, with that said, there's kind of like four possibilities. Do you agree? And what are the four? Uh, a respiratory acidosis, a respiratory alkalosis, a metabolic acidosis, and a metabolic alkalosis. Okay. Now, with what you just said in terms of things going up and down, right? Yeah. Uh, with CO2. So, just correct me if I'm r- wrong. I will. Straight away. So, if pH goes down yeah, it's become and more CO2 goes the opposite way, yeah. you know, well, basically, if the relations are inverse to each other yeah. it, with CO2 and pH, it's always going to be a respiratory thing. That's right. Okay. Whereas, well, let, let's just leave that because you didn't talk about the I other one, I haven't gone to the next one yet. Okay. However, moving to the... So, we spoke about... There's four possibilities. Yeah. But now, because you said... That, Spoke about the bicarbonate's compensation. Yeah. So that leads us to the final two subcategories. Okay. And so because b- the bicarbonate is a slow compensatory mechanism, mm-hmm. there's two subcategories in each of the respiratories. Okay. There is an acute, short term, and a chronic, long term. So that leads us to six possibilities of what the per- what the patient's got. You love confusing me, so, don't you, Matt? So, this is the possibility. You know I'm a simple man. This is the six possibilities that your patient will have. Okay, go okay? on. Okay? And this is an anemia. So, this is a state of being. Oh. Okay. That's so, very philosophical <laughs> on here. So, you've got either a metabolic acidemia. Yep. That's one. Yep. A metabolic alkalemia. Yep. That's two. A respiratory acidosis. Or that's acidemia. Acute. That's acute. Yeah. Or chronic. People say I'm acute. Okay. <laughs> that is three and four. That's three and four. And then so five and six oh, no. is respiratory, alkalemia, acute, or chronic. Gotcha. Makes sense? Yeah. And what differentiates the acute and chronic is just how the bicarbonate can compensate for the Issue. And we know acute and chronic refers to time frames. Yes. And it makes sense if bicarbonate is going to take a while. Because we said how long is it going to take? We said days. Yeah. So if you, Michael, have an asthmatic, no, asthmatic, asthmatic attack, <laughs> okay, so you have massive bronchoconstriction, bronchoedema, and you can't get your air in and out yeah. well, or more like out, the, your breathing rate would go... Well, it'll go, try and go up. Yeah, it'll go up. So, yours is probably most driven off uh, lack of oxygen. Mm. But because you're starting to breathe really quickly now, you're going to have uh, a respiratory issue now. And you're going to be blowing off a lot of CO2. Mm. So, you're going to be probably respiratory. Even if I can't get it out because the airways are closed up? It's more oxygen though. Ah. Okay. Because your oxygen oxygenation's an issue. So, I increase my minute ventilation. Right. And so, by doing that, you're going to blow off a lot of CO2. Yeah. Therefore, you're going to have a respiratory... Alkalemia. Very good. But now, alkalosis, because, because we know it's the process. Yeah. 
Now, because it's acute, it's happening right then and there, mm-hmm. your kidneys can't compensate for it. No. So, it's going to be an acute episode or an acute respiratory, probably alkalemia. Okay. Now, you're not going to have a respir- you're not going to have an asthma attack for two days. Okay. No, I don't. But you think might have you might have COPD. You might have what's that? Um, emphysema or chronic bronchitis, which are long-standing lung issues, and they're obstructive as well, like obstructive, asthma. just like asthma, just closing but the airways up a little bit. Right for for days and days and years and months, whatever, yeah. whatever order. Yeah, <laughs> days, then years, then months. <laughs> yeah, but because you're going for over the over days, right? years and months. Yeah, right. <laughs> Your kidneys are compensated for it, so yep. now you're moving into a chronic form. It's still respiratory based though, right? Still respiratory based. Okay. But, but now your the kidneys kid- can compensate right. by... So if it's a respiratory alkalosis, how would the kidneys compensate? By... Uh, because it's... Uh, or the alkalosis. Yeah, so it'd be peeing out more bicarbonate. Yeah, right. So yeah, yeah, you're going to be trying to get rid of your bicarbonate. So your bicarbonate would drop. So in the acute phase of respiratory alkalosis... Alkalosis. Yeah. The so pH would pH go would up. be up. The CO2, CO2 would be going down because you're breathing it all off. So that's the inverse relationship. Yeah, so and, that's the bicarbonate, respiratory. and the bicarbonate probably wouldn't change too yeah. much. Excellent. Would then be probably almost normal. When it becomes chronic over a couple of days, again, the pH is probably going to start to go back towards the normal state with the CO2 still down and the bicarbonate going down as well. This is both respiratory alkalosis, right? Yes. Very good. Yes. So... And just to add on to that, which we'll come back to, but there's a formula for that called Winter's Formula. Mm. And so, in the acute phase, okay, mm. like the asthma case, yeah, the actual ratio difference between bicarbonate and um, CO2 is 1 to 5. Uh, just wait. There's, we'll do that. Should we do yeah, that? Well, I said we'll come back to it, but I'm no. just going to say it for the sake of saying it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So in the acute phase, yeah, your CO two because you've got asthma, your CO two CO two has dropped five units. So if it's gone um, from its normal range, which should be forty, okay, it's now gone down to thirty five. Thirty five. Good. Mm-hmm. But the bicarbonate, because it's acute, has only dropped one unit. Mm-hmm. So it's just gone down to twenty three. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Whereas in a chronic phase, it's now one to two. Kidneys have been able to kick in. Right. So if it's one to two. Yeah. Okay. So for every millimeter of mercury that CO two goes down, right. so get from forty to thirty nine, you're gonna have Sorry, so two, two. from forty to thirty eight millimeters of mercury, you're gonna have one one drop of bicarbonate, very which good. means by the time that the CO two has dropped down to thirty uh, ish, then so that's ten points. Ten points, you're gonna have five units of bicarbonate, excellent, excellent. which means it's starting to compensate yeah. a bit better, which is why the pH starts to head back towards normal. Yes, very good. Well uh, done. But we will come back to that. Okay. But, that's, but I'm glad we've introduced that now because that's a, a difficult thing. That's called Winter's Formula. All right. Now, I've only spoken about the simple respiratory acidosis, respiratory alkalosis with the pH and CO2 going in the opposite direction. All right? mm-hmm. And then the bicarbonate trying to compensate. That's, let's now have a look at what happens if you see the pH goes down. So it's an acidosis. right? You also see the bicarbonate go down. Right? Mm-hmm. Now think about it. If the pH has gone down, it's becoming acidic. Yeah. Bicarbonate goes down, it's becoming acidic okay. because there's not enough bicarbonate to mop up hydrogen ions. Yep. That's telling you that it is a metabolic cause. Now, if the CO2 is also going down, 
that's telling you that it's metabolic and the CO2 is going down because it's trying to compensate. Okay. Let me say that again. pH is going down below 7.4, 7.35, 7.3. It's going down. So it's pH, acidic. You have a look at the CO2. It's also going down. Now think about that. When we spoke about respiratory and it was acidic, CO2 is going up because more CO2, more acid. Mm. But in this case, the CO2 is going down as well. Mm. So it can't be a respiratory cause of an acidosis. This CO2 must be going down because it's trying to compensate for an acidosis. You look at the CO2, if that's going down as well, it's telling you that something's happening at our kidneys that we're peeing out too much CO2 or we're not reabsorbing enough back into the body. And the CO2 is going down to compensate. Does that make sense? So I think when you look at bicarbonate, it's change in levels, mm. okay? So, the way it changes um, can only happen in two ways, okay? It's either buffering an acid, okay? So, it's being used to buffer out hydrogen ions. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Stop asking me every time I'm drinking. <laughs> <laughs> or, um, it's been lost. Yeah. So, either through urine or through the other method, which is... What? Poo. <laughs> oh, here we go. Always bringing it back to poo. Yeah, so there's only two ways of getting a low bicarbonate. Mm-hmm. It's either you're... You're peeing it out or you're pooing it out. Gotcha. No, no, no. That's one part. Yeah. You're getting excreted. Right. Or it's buffering. Uh, bicarbonate buffering system. So it's bicarbonate soaking up the extra hydrogen. All right. So, in a metabolic case, if it's acidosis, everything's gone down. pH yeah. gone down. CO2 gone down. Bicarbonate gone down. Therefore, if it's metabolic alkalosis, everything's gone up. pH has gone up because it's telling you it's an alkalosis. Bicarbonate's gone up because more bicarbonate, more hydrogen ions are mopped up, less hydrogen ions available, hence the pH going up. And the carbon dioxide has also gone up because it's trying to compensate for it by producing more hydrogen ions. All right. So what what happens if you've got a metabolic state, Yeah. but your lungs are shot? Oh, man. That's a good point. So, metabolic acidosis, not enough bicarbonate ions. And so Usually, your respiratory system will try and compensate by dropping the CO2 by making you breathe a lot faster. Yeah, so what happens if you have... But let's say you got con- COPD at the same time. Right, and you're retaining it. You become very acidic and you die. Okay. So, this might lead us to our method that we're going to talk about today. All right. Are you happy to do that now? I'm happy. As All long right. as the listeners ha- are happy and, and they're able to say that if <laughs> CO2 and pH are in the opposite directions, respiratory. If pH, CO2 and bicarbonate all go in the same direction, metabolic. Yeah, and I think I can even make it more simple than that. Doubt it. <laughs> okay. I would just do this. I would do, look at the pH first. Mm. And if it's outside the, the sweet spot, which is? 7.35, Let's just no, say 7.4. Sweet spot. I yeah, 7.4. Okay, 7.4, 7.4. Okay, so if it's the sweet spot, 7.4. Mm-hmm. Okay, if it's above 7.4, you know straight away it's a? Uh, alkalytic state. Okay, and if it's below 7.4, you know straight away it is? Uh, acidotic state. Or Acidemia. Emia, emia. Acidosis. Okay, emia, emia. Emia, emia. So that's the first thing you establish. Yeah. The next thing, just look at CO2. Mm. Okay? If it's inverse relationship, so if they're going the opposite directions, pH is going down but CO2 is going up, you know it's always going to be respiratory. You're not making it easier. You're, you're reiterating exactly what no, I said. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying... Lo- I'm not going to get you to look at the bicarbonate at all at this okay. point. Okay, okay. And then if it's a metabolic, yeah, they're going the same direction. 
So, so you only have to look at two things. Yeah. To know what the ultimate okay. emix damic. So you have you have made it easier. You've, yeah. you've removed one. Okay. okay. Won't help us with those difficult mixed cases though, will it? It will. It will. Will it? Yes. Okay. So what about before we do that though, we mm. need to move on to an important point mm. of. This is more about the metabolic side of things. Okay. And this is moving to a thing called anion gap. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. It, very so, important. So, um, what is an anion? An anion is a negatively charged ion, such as chloride or bicarbonate. Okay, pause there. That'll, that'll do. <laughs> Good, because I probably couldn't <laughs> name too many more. And the, op- and, the op- <laughs> and the opposite of a anion is a? Cation, because we all love cats. It makes me feel very positive. Okay, whatever works for you. Oh no, you said because of the the T in cation, it looks like a plus. You moron! I like that I wouldn't one. say that. I like that one. Yeah. Anyway, so now uh, my question to you, Michael, is in your body, which one's more abundant, the pluses or the negatives? Well, because I'm quite smart, and <laughs> I've looked at this previously, I know that the pluses and minuses. Love to be in balance. Oh wow! Just like that's, that's really just nice. like I do, emotionally, I'm a very balanced man. I meditate. Quite subjective. I quite mindful. All right, enough. The positives and the negatives balance out, oh, yeah, and we actually have the same concentration of of cations and anions in our body. So that's what would you call that? Electrically neutral. Or neutral. Okay. Because otherwise, if you were out of whack, you had too much positives or too much negatives, you'd probably be. Zapping, zapping people. Well, that's a good point because if you look at the whole body, yes, we're neutral, but if you look at individual cells, they are different, right? Okay. And that's super important. That's how our neurons fire oh, off. That's a good point. Right? That's a very good point. That's how our heart contracts is that there's a difference in charge from the inside of the cell to the outside of the cell and that's because of anion cation differences. Okay. But overall, but exactly the, take- the same. The take-home message is you neutral. should you should be neutral. Okay, otherwise you'd be statically electrocuting people. Maybe le- le- electrocuting... Actually, do you know what electrocuting mean you're actually killing them? Or you're dying from it? Is that... I always really thought you electrocute... Yeah, I always thought electrocution was just you got zapped. Put in a shockwave. Uh, like, so my electric fence at home, I always thought, oh, I got electrocuted this afternoon. No. But, no, that would mean I die from it. How many times have you done that? <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> I don't want to answer that one. So, anyway, uh, it's electric <laughs> shock. So, you'd be giving people... Why do you people, have an electric fence? Uh, sheep, goats... Chickens. Keep them in or keep them out? Uh, usually in. Okay. In. Although my wife is a, is scared of the sheep, so probably um, keeping her out. Gotcha. To keep the wife out. <laughs> so anyway, back back to the ranch. Not my ranch. <laughs> <laughs> so take home message is we're neutral. Otherwise, we'll be going around zapping people. All right. Said that. Okay, said yep. that. So let's just have a look at the anion gap. So okay. there's a gap... Yeah. Um, between cations and ions. Okay. Yeah. And the, the best way to do this is the most abundant cation in your extracellular fluid is sodium. sodium. So let's call call that the sweet spot for sodium. We know it's a range, but the sweet spot is 140. Okay. 140 what? Uh, millimoles per litre. Good. But let's just call it 140. Okay. But okay? units are important. 140, Michael. 140. Yeah. All right. Okay. Now you want to see the main cation, uh, anions. The okay. main anions are... Uh, chloride, chloride bicarbonate. Okay. So chloride should be around 104. Okay. I think it's between what? 100 and unit? 110. Uh, same as sodium. Millimoles per litre. Okay. Call it 104. 
We will. Okay. And then bicarbonate, what did we say in ABG it should be? Uh, about 24 millimoles okay, per Okay, so litre. I'm going to write this down. So, so reiterate it all. 140, yeah. which is sodium, yeah. minus yeah. the sum of chloride yeah. and bicarbonate. So you've basically so, done so the positive stuff minus the negative yeah, exactly. stuff. Exactly. Well you may have listeners saying, well, you've missed out on potassium. That's a positive thing. How come you haven't added that to the sodium? You can do, it's, it's around four, but they generally will leave it out for this calculation. Just because the number's so low. So yeah. it's negligible. Yeah. So you can do it. You can add the sodium to the potassium so you have all but the But then I stuff. think you might have to add other, some slightly other anions. Gotcha. So for simplicity, we'll just do sodium minus the sum of chloride and bicarbonate. Okay, so, so 140 minus the sum of 104 plus 24, which, which is 140 minus what? So it's... 140 minus 28, 128. Okay. okay, so we're now, the reason why we're doing this is because we want to find what the charge differences are, right? It's very good. Okay, so, so 140, 140 minus 128 will give you... 12. 12. Okay, 12. So that is the normal anion gap in your body. Now, didn't you say that we were neutral? Yes. So that means <laughs> there's a gap, there's a deficiency of 12 units yeah. of an anion. Yeah. So something negative has to take up that slack. Oh, because we are neutral. Yes, that's right. Okay. So the thing that is most abundant um, to have a negative charge to soak up that, I guess, would be... Proteins. A, a protein. Yeah. And the most abundant plasma protein in your blood is... Albumin. Okay, so albumin, Yeah. I believe, has a concentration of um, four... Grams per deciliter. Okay. Does that sound right? I'll, I'll take your word for it. Um, maybe milligrams. Anyway, so it's it's four. It sounds like it would be milligrams, but that's yeah. okay. No, it's all right. Keep going. Yeah, I think it is milligrams. Anyway, so it's four. So to get to 12, you times it by three. So usually the albumin levels should be times by three, and that will give you the the 12 value, which is that the base. Yeah. Or the... the um, an iron gap. Okay. Makes sense? Yeah, makes sense. So really, albumin You're is... You're right. It's four grams per, de for, per deciliter. Okay. Deci means... 100 mils. Yeah, okay. So that that would that's what's giving you the extra charge to neutralize you out. Mm-hmm. Makes sense? So that's why we're neutral. Yes. So it's sodium is the positive stuff minus the negative stuff, which is going to be uh, bicarbonate, chloride, and albumin. Yes. And that makes us neutral. That's right. Okay. So keep going. So... So now, why, why are you telling me why this? Why am I telling you this? Well, um, when you're looking at the metabolic states, yeah, there's usually in a metabolic acidosis, yeah, there's usually two main causes for it. It's usually an anion gap metabolic acidosis, yeah, or a non-anion gap. What's that mean? That means that um, there's an acidosis, yeah. Um, that means that so the acidosis the could be caused because there's not enough bicarbonate or there's too much other types of acids in the body. Yes, that's right. Okay. Yep. So this one is measuring which type, not enough bicarbonate or too much other types of acid in the body. So if it's an anion gap, which means that that gap of 12 mm -hmm. is now above 12. Yeah. And that means that bicarbonate is being pulled, called upon mm. to buffer the acid out. So it's compensatory. Compensatory. So and could so we say it's, pri it's not a primary metabolic disorder? Well, it's only if it's dominant. Case? Okay. okay. Whereas a non-anion gap acidosis would just mean that you've lost bicarbonate freely. Okay. okay. So that means that that number 12 yeah. 
is still 12 or below 12. It's, and the, that's the what gap hasn't changed. So you look at, so when you do your ABG, if that number's above 12, then you know that we've got an anion gap present, which is telling yes. us that we've got a compensatory bicarbonate increase. Yes. And if it's 12 or below, we know that we don't have a compensatory yes. bicarbonate increase. And it us, you just lost it bicarbonate freely. Okay. Okay. So one tells you whether it's primary or secondary. Uh, it's just telling you the mechanism of the acidosis. Okay. Whether it's... Because uh, if it's a non-anion non gap, yep. that means that the, the, the anion gap is 12 yeah. or below, yeah. but you still have a metabolic acidosis going okay. on. Yep. That generally will be caused by... Um, you're just you've just lost bicarbonate out of the body, mm. like we said. Okay. Peeing or pooing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. Whereas if the anion gaps above twelve. Yeah. Okay. That means that you've been using up all your bicarbonate to try and buffer a, another thing going on, like another uh, process going on. Gotcha. Okay. I'll put this into practice in a second. All right. And and this is if you want to know what are the anion gap metabolic acidotic causes, yeah. the best way to do it is there's a mnemonic called mud piles. Mud piles? Mud piles. And so that is M for methanol, U for uremia, D for DKA, P is a, I think another form of kind of alcohol, so we'll leave that. I for iron, so there's an iron in, uh, abnormality, L for lactic acidosis, E for ethanol and S for salicylic acids. Which we so these are so you're basically saying these are different ways that outside of carbon dioxide that our body can increase the amount of acid. That's right. And so that's going to tell us it's a metabolic. And we did speak acidosis. about the last podcast, remember? Yeah. So these so are if metabolic. If you drink too much ethanol, yeah, um, or methanol, it's then converted into an acid. Yep. Which then um, it needs to be conjugated. Okay, and that is where it's. Mate, there's a conjugated base, therefore bicarbonate has to come and All soak right. up some stuff. All right, let me make a statement. All right. Because now I've got it, Matt. Metabolic acidosis, like you said, can be because we've got reduced bicarbonate and you said we can have reduced bicarbonate levels because we're peeing it out, pooing it out. Which is excretion. Which is excretion together. together. Or, it's, or, it's, or it's buffering... Too a, much acid. Too much, yeah, too much hydrogen. Too much on. hydrogen. Now, if that hydrogen is coming from a source that is non-CO2 based, i.e. coming from mud pies, right? Methanol. Yeah. Well, piles, stuff. piles, mud so piles. So, mud piles. Again, that's metabolic acidosis. Yes. Okay. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Cool, 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 cool. Happy cool. with that? Cool, cool, cool. Okay. Are you gotcha. good? I'm good. I'm cool. All right. So with the ABG, yeah. you will then generally um, in the in the notes there will be also the blood levels of sodium and chloride, which is important as well, mm. because that will then tell you um, how to do that complete ABG with the anion gap. Yep. Okay. Do you want to do an example? Or do you want to go back to your example where you were giving us the values? And they look like they were sitting in a normal range, but in actual fact, we've got an underlying. All right, so disorder. I'll write this down. But if you, if listeners, are, if you've got a pen and paper, please ah. write it down as well. First case study: patients coming in. You do an ABG. ABG readout is what, Maddie? So pH is seven point. Is this the my example? Your example. Okay, yeah, yeah. seven point three eight. Okay, everyone, write this down. So, pH seven point three eight of your patient. Okay. The CO two. 
39. 39. The oxygen. 90. 90. And the bicarbonate. 23. 23. Now, we said that normal values should be 7.4. And what do we have here? 7.38. Okay. So it's below. The yep. uh, normal value for carbon dioxide is... Now remember, we, remember for the, our simplified version, we're yes. just looking at CO2. That's... Yeah, okay. okay. So the CO2 here uh, it should be 40, but it's 39. So it's down. Yep. So and straight away, you've, it's a... Um, it's a, a relationship that's... Yeah, both are both. going down together. So that's telling you straight away... Metabolic. Metabolic. Now, so listeners may be saying, but wait a minute, you said the range is 7.35, 7.45 for, for pH, and 7.38 is in the normal pH range. Very true. Mm. You also said that the range for carbon dioxide should be 35 to 40. Yeah. And that's very uh, 35 to 45. Uh, that's true. And we've got 39 here. But we said that in our examples, we want it to sit at 7.4 and it's below 7.4 here. Mm. We wanted carbon dioxide to sit at 40 and it's below 40. Yep. And they're both below, both metabolic. Yeah. Now, the bicarbonate here is 23 and we want, 20, uh, we want the bicarbonate to be at 24. Yep. So, the bicarbonate's gone down as well. Yeah. All of this is telling us that there is something metabolic going on. Yeah. But remember, our simplified, simplified version, just look at CO2 with the pH. Ah, that's and right. Remember, you told me to get rid of the bicarbonate. Yeah, forget the bicarbonate at this point. Okay, gotcha. So if it's if the CO two and pH are going opposite directions and they're out of whack, respiratory. It's respiratory. If they're going in the same direction, it's metabolic. Okay, right. So that's point one. So we now know it's metabolic, and we know it's acidemia because the pH is below seven point four. Right. All right. Now we've got to figure out what's going on. So we need a bit more information here, right. and this is where you you provided with. Sodium levels, which let's say it's 140. Yeah. Chloride is at 80. Yeah. And bicarbonate, we already know, it's at 23. 23. So, Michael, can you please do the anion gap? Uh, okay, so 140 for sodium, that's the positive stuff. The negative stuff is 80 plus 23. That's chloride plus bicarbonate, which is going to be, what's 80 plus 23? It's going to be 103. Right. So, 140 minus 103. Three, three is going to be a hundred and th- uh, sorry th- is going to be thirty seven. Right, that's your anion gap. It's thirty seven. Yeah, and we said it should be twelve. Twelve, right? So it's now, above twelve. So you know straight away your anion gap is thirty seven. Yeah. Now what would say it should be? Twelve. Okay. Now if you minus the twelve off the thirty seven, yeah, what does it give you? <laughs> Twelve minus thirty-seven. Or, th- or thirty-seven minus twelve. Thirty-seven minus twelve. Tw- is, uh, the twenty-five. Twenty-five. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now that biologist, not a mathematician. <laughs> that is what we call. This is just slightly to confuse everyone, yeah, but I'll say it because it's important. It's called yourself. the delta gap. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that is the amount of units of bicarbonate you're using up to counterbalance this um, metabolic acidemia that's right. going on. Can I re- can I put it in my words? Yeah, because I like to dumb things down because I'm I'm the dumb one out of the team. Well, well, you anyway. said earlier that you're the smart one. Yeah, see, that's how dumb I am. <laughs> I don't know who who I am or where I sit within the team. Uh, so, you look at the anions versus cations, mm. and the cation here is sodium. You said it's one forty. The anions you said is chlorine and bicarbonate together. They were 103, and then you did the whole minus thing, and you ended up getting 37. Yes, which now, is the anion gap. Which is the anion gap. Yep. We could leave it there, and we could say, okay, the anion gap here is above 12, which is telling us yep. that we're using a lot of bicarbonate. 
as because it's trying to buffer out some increase in acid. Very good. Right? So if it's above twelve, if it's above twelve, it's telling you we already know it's a metabolic acidemia. Yeah. But if it's above twelve anion gap, what do we say? It's telling us that the bicarbonate is trying to buffer out some acid, which is non CO two based. Okay. Because which we know it's metabolic, so it could be part of the mud piles. Exactly. Well done. So it's actually called now an anion gap metabolic acidemia. Gotcha. Okay. And if it's an anion gap metabolic acidemia... It's... Well, generally, let's say, most likely to be one of the mud piles. So, it could be they're ingesting methanol or they've got a kidney issue and they've got ure, uredemia. No, uremia. Yeah. Uremia. Uremia. So, they're retaining uh, urea yep. or creatinine or something like that. Or they're going through a, a starvation state or a diabetic state and they've got DKA, maybe. Okay. Ketoacidosis. Or they've got lactic acidosis. Mm. Or they've got ingestion of ethanol, mm. or they've had ingestion of aspirin, which okay. is a salicylate, right? Yeah, salicylic so acid. Maybe there's something else going on, but these are the potentially the primary. All right, so that's an anion gap metabolic acidosis. Yeah. Let's just say we did that those ma- that maths there, and the number wasn't 37. The number was 12 or 10 okay. for the anion gap. So that's normal. Yeah. So that's telling us an actual fact that we're losing bicarbonate because it's below 12. Hmm. It's 10 or 9 or something like that, which is telling us that it's not because we've got an increase of acid in the body that's non-CO2 based. It's not due to the mud piles. It's simply due to that excretion of bicarbonate through the urine or through the fecal matter. Yeah, so you could get diarrhea. So you get a non-anion gap acidosis or acidemia through diarrhea. So you're just pooing out bicarbonate high levels got it or you might be taking a, a certain type of diuretic yeah which is the one that affects ph oh uh, yeah you, i'm that asking one. you michael the one that affects ph uh is it the is it um a, a non-potassium sparing it's works on the pct i believe proximal convoluted tubule uh that's going to be the carbonic anhydrase inhibitors which is called what's the main one uh i can never pronounce it as a Oh, acetazolamide. There we go. Yeah. Right. Sorry. So the, or another common one is renal tubule acidosis, which is a kidney issue. All right. All right. Cool. Does that make sense? I love it. All right. Now, so, what do we what now? Do just do to, now, now, just to confuse the people a bit more. Yeah. Okay. But I have to say it because this is what's going on with this person. Right. Because if you left it at just saying they've got an anion gap metabolic acidemia. Yeah. Looking at their range, they're almost normal. It looks like they're normal. Seven point three eight looks normal uh, for so, pH. Thirty nine so looks people, normal. Most pers- people would go just brush right over it. Yeah, but that's why you have to take into consideration the clinical manifestations. So, what we do is we do the thirty seven anion gap yeah. minus the twelve, yeah. which gives you the twenty five delta gap. Yeah, the delta which gap, which is telling us twenty five units of bicarbonate has been used up. Exactly. Yeah. Now, if you put that twenty five with what the bicarbonate is currently at, which yeah. was 23, yeah. it would give you a an amount of? Uh, 58. 48. 48. <laughs> so, 48. What should your bicarbonate be? Uh, 24. 24. So, that's like doubled it. Yeah. So, that's telling you there's an underlying metabolic alkalosis happening. Ah, uh, because the bicarbonate's going up. But you just said we have an underlying metabolic acidosis. Yeah. So we can so actually have... Two things at once. Metabolic alkalosis and metabolic acidosis. Yeah. So you've got two processes occurring. Yeah. Now, old, the overall dominant would be the an emia. acidemia. Yes. But because they're having this kind of tug of war, 
it's almost kept it in the middle. Ah, so if you okay. looked at, if you looked at it very superficially, you'd go, oh, they've got just they're fine, uh, they're fine. But actually, they've got an, uh, an alkalosis going on, yep. and and a, and a compensatory uh, metabolic. Uh, so they've got a they've got a metabolic acidosis and then a compensatory metabolic alkalosis, and overall there's a slight uh, acidemia. Yeah. So I don't know. But okay. if you look at those values within a range, they all fit within the nice, happy, healthy range. But in actual fact, you've got a mixed case. Yeah. Acidosis and alkalosis. And so that's, um, you know, I'm just going to make one up the top of my head. So if you had, say, food poisoning, yeah, you might be vomiting and diarrheaing. Diarrheaing. <laughs> yeah, that so everybody. That would, that, would ba- that would balance it out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 So yeah, because because if you're vomiting, you're bringing up acid from the stomach, and if you're uh, having if you're diarrheaing, you're, or you're losing chlor- chloride as well. Yeah. Uh, bicarbonate coming out the pooper. Yeah. All right. Does it make sense? It totally makes sense, man. Now I'm not sure if I should mention this because it's it is a bit tougher. Nah. But it's that formula we spoke about, the Winter's yeah. formula. Okay. Bring, mention it. And it's really just to confirm 100% what the process is. Ah, we'll which, I, which I think is very important when you have mixed cases of metabolic and respiratory. Okay, bring that up because then we w- I want to go through some mixed cases. Okay, well, for this one, uh, it can be demonstrative in a diagram, but I'm just going to say it in a written form. So if you were... Verbal form? Because if you well, write it down, form, then no one's I'll say it verbally, but that people write it down. Um, remember, I said that there's kind of six states you can be in. You said metabolic acidosis, metabolic alkalosis, respiratory acidosis, acute and chronic, respiratory yep. alkalosis, acute and chronic. Okay, very uh, good. So remember, there's two extra subcategories for the respiratory: acute, chronic, acute, chronic. Yeah, I just said yeah, it. Very good. <laughs> Whereas you just metabo- didn't pay attention. The metabolic ones, yeah. because the lungs compensate almost straight away. Okay, there's not an acute or chronic phase. Yeah. They'll compensate in minutes. Happy with that? I'm very happy All with right. that. All right. So, let's start off with the metabolics. Okay. So, write this down if you can, if you've got a pen. Otherwise, try and commit it to your brain as best you can. If you've got a metabolic acidosis, the relationship between the CO2 and the bicarbonate, because they're the ones that are fighting each other, Yeah. Okay. will be one-to-one. Yeah. Okay. So that means in a metabolic acidosis, the bicarbonate should be going down, and the CO2 should be going down as well. So one each. One each. One one unit for one unit. Gotcha. Makes so, sense. Yeah. Bicarbonate so that's going metabolic down. Metabolic acidosis. That's number one. You also said, but the, just so everyone's got it, the metabolic acidosis, bicarbonate's going down, hence it being metabolic, and because bicarbonate's going down, it's becoming more acidic, and CO2 wants to compensate for that, so it wants to go down as well. Yes. To reduce the amount of acid. And it's at a one-to-one ratio. Beautiful. Gotcha. All okay. Right. Number two is the other metabolic. So, it's metabolic... Alkalosis. Alkalosis. Now, this relationship is two to one, which means that you lose... Oh, sorry, this is increasing now. Yeah, you gain two bicarbonate, bicarbonate and to then one carbon dioxide. dioxide. And again, the two bicarbonate is being reabsorbed or produced in the body, and that's making you alkalytic. And the CO2 wants to compensate by increasing acid to balance it out, but it's two to one, two bicarbonate to one carbon dioxide. Yep. Okay. Happy with that? Yeah, that's okay. Right. Moving on to three. So now we're going to go respiratory. Which one do you want to do? Do you want to respiratory acidosis first? Or acidosis alcohol? first. All right. So respiratory acidosis, mm-hmm. and we'll call this the acute. Okay. So, so short term. So respiratory acidosis, small a. Now because okay. we know it's short term, the bicarbonate 
shouldn't be kicking in much, right? Yeah. Because that takes days. That's right. So, first of all, what direction are we going if it's an acidosis? If it's an acidosis, then the CO2 should be going up. Very good. So, the relationship is 1 to 10. So, 1... So, 10 carbon dioxide for every 1 bicarbonate. Mm. So, CO2 is going up because it's respiratory acidosis and the bicarbonate wants to compensate, but because it's acute, the time frame hasn't kicked in yet, so not much bicarbonate is able to compensate for it. So, so 10 CO2, 1 bicarbonate. So, you're chronically, sorry, acutely um, blowing off your, sorry, retaining, retaining, retaining. You're retaining your CO2. Yeah, all right, we got that. Okay. Four, number four, is respiratory acidosis, but it's chronic. Okay, so now okay. we've got the time for the but bicarbonate. still both gone in. up, Yeah, but bicarbonate can kick in better here. So the relationship is one to three. Okay, so three carbon dioxide for every one bicarbonate trying to balance right. it out, which means the pH should start to go closer to a normal range, right? If that's how, because it starts yes. to balance itself right. Probably out. Probably not quite, but yes, it's much closer. So this is compensating now. Okay, so okay. now we're up to the respiratory alkalosis so acute. Yep, respiratory alkalosis, small a, acute. So the relationship here is one to five. Okay. And they're going so, down. So CO2 is going down because it's alkalosis and it's respiratory, so it's CO2 based. So you've got five CO2 going down and because it's acute... Uh, the bicarbonate hasn't been able to kick in very well and it's one bicarbonate for every five CO2. Yeah. And, and now we're going to have respiratory alkalosis chronic state. Yeah? Yep. And so that's going to be um, one to two. One to two. So again, two carbon dioxide going down for every one bicarbonate yep. to compensate. And that's the Winters formula. Okay. Okay. And so let's just put that into practice for the our ABG that we've just done. Yeah. Okay. So what did we say it was? We we call it, we said a, it was a metabolic, metabolic acidosis, but so it was an anion gap because yep. the bicarbonate had gone up. Now, that's right. So we we know it's a anion gap metabolic acidemia. Yeah. Okay. But we also know it's there's underlying metabolic um, alkalosis. Going, yes. Right. Because the bicarbonate had gone up. Right. Now, we want to just make sure through the, the formula, Winter's formula, which mm. is the ratios, that it is indeed nothing else going on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's look at what we just wrote down. We know it's, what's the main state of being? It's a metabolic? Acidosis. Yes, or acidemia. Acidemia. And so the ratio is one to one. Okay, so that should go down one to one. Okay. So let's have a look at it. Yep. We've got a bicarbonate of 23 yep. and we've got a CO2 of 39. Yeah. What's the, the 23 is? Uh, uh, should 23 be tw- is bicarbonate, should be 24, so it's gone down one unit. And and 39 is carbon dioxide, should be 40, it's gone down one unit. Very good. So they're both gone down. One, one. One to so one. So you know straight away that it's, there's no respiratory, no other other. Yeah, so it's a metabolic on. acidosis. Yeah. Perfect. Makes sense? Yeah. Let's finish so with some mixed cases. So that's now telling you that um, that there's no other other lining issue. Yeah. Can I just do, before you go into the challenge in mixed cases, can I just give... Um, they're not challenging. They're pretty easy. Can I just do one quick other example? If you think it's fine. <laughs> All right. Let's do this one together. All right. Okay. So you're talking you've to me, talking to the audience. Not you. All right. So let's I'll do... Let's do a... Ps- a pH of 7.26. Uh, you following? Yeah, yeah you've Michael's only said 7.26. So it's not too difficult to, to follow. Uh, CO2 is 60. Oxygen 55. 
bicarbonate 26. Okay. So okay. if we just look at pH and CO2. Okay. So we're, pH which is 7.26. So it's going down. So okay. it's, that, that's acidemia okay. already. The, bicar- uh, the carbon dioxide has gone up it's to 60 instead of 40. So it's in the opposite direction. So straight away, respiratory acidosis. Okay. All right. Yeah, good. Because opposite direction, very good inverse yeah. relationship. All right, now let's go to um, the anion gap quickly. Okay. So before we, we obviously need to know our sodium. So let's say sodium is one forty. So that's normal. Yep. Chloride is one o four. That's normal. And we know the bicarbonate because we already said it, which is twenty six. Which is two units above what it should be. Okay. So, so at the moment we've got one o four plus twenty six is a hundred and sixty. 130. Yeah. I haven't got one of these right. No, I'm doing the maths upside down because you're writing it. Uh, so 140 minus 130 is an anion yeah. gap of 10. Right. And we know is, straight away. Uh, it's below 12. So we know it can't be an anion gap. It's not an metabolic anion gap, acidosis. Which means it's not due to the mud piles. Very good. It doesn't have, it's not, it's not ketoacidosis, not due to methanol or ethanol or aspirin or any of those things. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. We've, we've, we've Lost bicarbonate, so we're peeing or pooing it out. So we know that we know it's there's no metabolic acidosis going on. Okay, that's well, no, it is a meta. Uh, so you're right. Yes, absolutely right. So we know that the primary thing that's going on is it's a respiratory. Yep, acidosis. Acidosis. Yes. So now let's go to a Winters formula. Yes. And so um, we need to find out if it's acute well, or chronic. before we go to the Winters formula. Let's quickly just work out what the difference is. So the carbon dioxide is at sixty. So yes. it's Changed by 20. 20. Yeah. And the bicarbonate is at, at 26. 26. So it's changed two. by? 2. 2. Yeah. So it's a 2 to 20. So it's a 1 to 10 ratio. 1 to 10. And so let's go across. Acute. It's acute. Nice. Makes sense? Oh, mate. I love it. And let's just, so one last example so we can just oh. see. So we can just see uh, another. All right. So let's do a pH of 7.34. 60. Um, Carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide, 55 and 30. For the bicarbonate. 55 for oxygen, 30 for bicarbonate. Right. So 7.3... Now, now, I'm just going to... No, well, let's just go yeah, with that. Okay, so 7.34 is the pH. So, it's going... So, it's, so it's down. Yeah. It's below 7.4. Uh, 60 is the CO2, so it's gone up. So, we so know straight away. Inverse relationship here between the pH and CO2, so we know it's respiratory So, it's straight away, we, we know it's respiratory. Yep. The bicarbonate is 30. And it should be 24, so it's gone up by 6 units. So the bicarbonate's gone up. So let's now have a look at whether there's an anion gap or not by Brilliant. looking at the sodium. So so the sodium levels is 140. So that's normal. The chloride's 100. Okay, so it's gone down a little bit. And we know that the, we already know the bicarbonate, which is was? 30. So we've got 130. So 100 plus 30 is 130. 140 minus 130 is 10. So again, that's below 12. So there's a non-ion gap, respiratory acidosis. No, no, wait, no, 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 wait. It's, oh. it's just telling you that you don't have an anion gap metabolic acidosis. Ah, okay, so there's That's, non-anion gap. So it just rules gap. that out. Okay. Just rules that out. Perfect. Okay. So, but we do know it's a respiratory acidosis. because it's inverse between CO2 and pH. And we are assuming that it's an acidemia. Yeah. But we well, just need to confirm it. Yeah. Okay, so let's quickly do the ratio changes. So... The bicarbonate is at 30, so it's had m- what? how much change? Uh, four, uh, six units of change. It's of gone increase. Up from 24 to 30. And what we say about the carbon dioxide? So it should 60. be 40, but it's gone up to 60, so, so it's, it's gone up 20 units. Okay, so it's a 6 over 20. Yeah. Okay. So if you look at respiratory acidosis, the chronic 
should be at a 1-3 rela- relationship. Okay, so and a 6-20 to 20 is pretty close to a 1-3 to three relationship. Yeah. So it's respiratory acidosis that's chronic. Chronic. So that means that the kidney is now kicking in and compensating by to produce bicarbonate to produce more bicarbonate yeah. and that's why the level's gone up I like it makes sense yeah, I think I hope people have I think people can go back and rewind and listen if if, if yeah and I that. think I think so that's good I think I've got that I think if you do it this way it's going to be much more accurate um, to, to know what's going on rather than um, just superficially looking at if it's just just out of whack perfect so now Michael just I just want to finish off with some mixed cases and some actual cases okay and we're not going to look at values we're just going to look at clinical cases and talk about very briefly how those cases could lead to these mixed cases so we're, first one I want to look at is a respiratory acidosis that also has a metabolic acidosis so straight away if we say it's a respiratory acid so straight away we've got acidosis there on both counts which means we know the pH is going to be low you got it? Respiratory acidosis is telling us that the CO2 has gone up and the metabolic acidosa, acidosis <laughs> sorry, is telling us that the, CO, the bicarbonate has gone down or we've got also some other types of acid that's being produced that's not carbon dioxide. So let's have a look. You okay with that? Okay. All right. So respiratory acidosis and metabolic acidosis. We've got a patient, and these are examples I've taken um, from some texts, a patient that's got an acute pulmonary edema, so acute short-term pulmonary edema, fluid that's built up in the lungs, after an acute short-term myocardial infarction, so they've just had a heart attack. How's this working? Well, if you've just had a heart attack, you've got poor cardiac circulation. Now, this causes lactic acidosis, right? Because if you've got poor cardiac circulation, you don't have enough oxygen getting to the tissue to feed it, and so the body is forced to undergo uh, lactic acid production to produce ATP. So you're now producing lactic acidosis. This is uh, causing the metabolic acidosis. That's the first part. At the same time, because we've got the pulmonary edema, we've got poor ventilation. Because the fluid's built up in the lungs, the gases can't cross the respiratory membrane very well. So now we've got CO2 building up. And CO2 building up produces acid, which is respiratory-based. So we've got a metabolic acidosis from the lactic acid that's mm. being produced from the MI. And uh. we've got uh, respiratory acidosis from the CO2 that's building up from the pulmonary edema. That's how you can have both respiratory acidosis and metabolic acidosis. You okay with that, Matty? Yeah, yeah. All right. Next one. Respiratory alkalosis and metabolic alkalosis. So a patient has hepatic cirrhosis. So scarring of the liver, basically, right? Okay. Um, Now, this patient's given diuretics. So patients that have cirrhosis can experience this uh, this phenomenon called hepatopulmonary syndrome. Have you heard of that before, Matt? Hepatopulmonary syndrome? I've also heard of hepatorenal syndrome. Yes. Okay. I think so it's almost the same mechanism. But similar mechanism. Basically, just between the, the patient liver. has dyspnea. Do you know what dyspnea is? Well, it's sometimes loosely termed shortness of breath, but it's much more than that. It's much more than that. It's yeah. just problems with breathing, yeah. basically. Now, with this dyspnea, this is causing a respiratory alkalosis. So, this dyspnea is obviously doing something which is resulting in CO2 being blown off. Does that make sense? I think so. So, this hepatopulmonary syndrome is leading to breathing issues, which means the patient's blowing off all the CO2, so they're becoming alkalinic, 
and it's respiratory based, so it's respiratory alkalosis. But this patient's also on diuretics, which means the diuretics are going to pee out a lot of stuff, and a lot of the stuff it's going to pee out is going to be bicarbonate as well. Does that make sense? So you're releasing that bicarbonate, and you've got respir- uh, metabolic alkalosis as well. At the same time, from previous podcasts, you should know that if you reduce your blood volume by diuretics, it stimulates the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone oh, yeah, system. Yeah. And this system exchanges sodium for potassium. Right. But it can also exchange sodium, sodium for hydrogen ions. Was it, was it potassium for hydrogen ions? Yes. So That's what I said. Okay, so this is with aldosterone, right? So aldosterone will cause a loss in uh, uh, potassium. Wow, okay. Potassium. Let, so, potassium? Yes. So too much aldosterone yep. will cause... Um, potassium loss. Yeah. And if you have hypokalemia, yeah. then hydrogen has to um, go into the cell. To That's right. To keep that neutrality. That's right. And that, so that will cause you to have a decrease in hydrogen in the blood. So that will cause. Resulting in increase in bicarbonate concentration and metabolic alkalosis. Alkalosis, which makes sense. Okay. And I guess the opposite will happen if you have too much of the other. That's right. So you would think that the peeing out is going to pee out bicarbonate and you're going to result in a metabolic acidosis. But because it's reducing blood volume, it's kicking in renin-angiotensin-aldosterone, kicking in aldosterone, which exchanges sodium for potassium. This loss of potassium results in an exchange for hydrogen ions, which means the hydrogen ions are being pulled back into the... Um, and that, and that uh, aldosterone issue can manifest as actually a disease as well. So this could be where you have adrenal gland diseases like Addison's or Cushing's um, that can manifest the same way through that excessive aldosterone. And you can exchange sodium for hydrogen ions and the hydrogen ions get peed out and results in increased bicarbonate and that's metabolic alkalosis. Hopefully, I'm computing. Yeah. Well, I think we we should stop there because we've probably overloaded everyone's brain. Well, but... You don't want to do other mixed states like respiratory acidosis and metabolic alkalosis? All right, say one more and then I think we should wrap All right, all right, I'll finish with this one. So respiratory acidosis and metabolic alkalosis. This sounds like something that can't physically happen. So you've got acidosis, respiratory, so... Increased CO2. So, so that's telling you. Metabolic yep. alkalosis, you've got an increased bicarbonate in the body or you're peeing out too many hydrogen ions. So how have we got this? Patient with... Chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, like emphysema. So it's a ventilation issue? Ventilation. So they're retaining? Who has been given diuretics because they've got heart failure. Okay. So this long-standing breathing issue leads to increased carbon dioxide in mm-hmm. the body. Which is increased a respiratory acid. Acidosis. That's respiratory acidosis. Done. The diuretics cause a decrease in blood volume, which again stimulates the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system, increasing the exchange between sodium and potassium or hydrogen ions at the distal tubule. This results in an increase in bicarbonate concentration and a metabolic alkalosis. Make mm-hmm. sense? Mm-hmm. Ah, I'll finish it. And now. you wouldn't know unless you did our method. Yes. Which our method, just to recap, is you get your pH strip. The first thing you look at is the relationship between the pH and the CO2. Yep. Uh, if they're out of range, which you know pH should be 7.4 and the carbon dioxide should be 40. So if they're out of range, you look at um, the relationship. And if they are inverse to each other, you know straight away it is? Uh, Respiratory-based. Okay, but if it's they're going in the same direction, you know it is? Metabolic-based. Okay, next thing you look at is you need to have the sodium levels and you need to have the chloride levels. 
with the ABG so you can then figure out sodium minus the sum of chloride and bicarbonate Tell and, you that, and that would give you the gap. anion gap the anion gap should be 12 if it's lower than that it's telling you that you don't have an anion gap metabolic acidosis but if it's above that it's telling you you do which means you've got bicarbonate increasing because potentially it's trying to buffer, buffer out right and so then you something. can figure that out and then so that's probably going to be the mud piles okay and then the last thing you do is just to make sure in that using the ratios the winter formula ones and then you by looking at that you know if it's sticking with the primary or if there's a mixed disorder like Michael just said whether you could have a respiratory concurrent with a metabolic all right we so done. I done. so that's two A-B-G. podcasts on acid base it's a tough yeah, area it is but I think if you all oh, kind how of many go- people have we lost you anyone still listening <laughs> are you there if you are still there can you do us a favor and it's probably not the best podcast to review us on but do you want to review us on iTunes give us a good review please good reviews make us obviously uh, happy happy and allows for more people to be able to listen to us otherwise if, we're helpful. if we get bad reviews Mike will get anxious he'll hyperventilate which will cause a blow off of CO2 yeah, and therefore he will get his pH will go in what direction compared to his CO2 yeah, it'll be in the opposite cares. inverse no relationship no one cares anymore <laughs> okay, so anyway, his kidneys no take cares. days yeah. to kick in so he'll have but, a, but he'll have a who cares? an so, acute so we went through too many <laughs> examples people have already turned off alright before you go listeners please um, give us a, a, a good rating on iTunes if you enjoy listening to us otherwise you can contact us on Twitter which is at Jew Biosciences you can also contact us individually on Twitter I'm uh, I don't even know what mine is Mike, Mikey Todd I think at Mikey Todd Mike Todorovic and Dr. Matt Todorovic no Dr. Bartox Dr. Bartox Dr. Bartox on Twitter or you can follow us on Instagram where we put up some pictures and some news and interesting items about AMP and so forth which is again at GU Biosciences or you can follow us on Facebook which is Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's medical podcast I'm sorry this podcast went for so long but we'll be back I don't soon. think it went as long as last one no but collectively there are almost three hours three hours of acid base everything you need to know hopefully hopefully if we've made any mistakes let us know not Hopefully on, we not haven't. On the, not on the iTunes review. Don't let us know. Just let us know by sending us and an again, email. And again, topics, suggestions, anything or topics for us to do. You let know. us know. I think it's enough. See y'all. See you guys. A-B- Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.